0: Welcome in to OutKick the Show. I'm your fearless leader, Clay Travis. I hope all of you are having fantastic Tuesdays. Encourage you as always. We love you, YouTube. Click like and uh, subscribe at YouTube. We love you wherever you are watching. And as we come in right now, we got some breaking news, which just has come down in the last 15 minutes or so. The Ravens have franchise tagged Lamar Jackson he would make $32.41 million if he played under this franchise designation. But Lamar Jackson is unlikely to play under this franchise tag designation because now that he has been franchise franchise tagged, it's a non-exclusive franchise tag. What it does is it effectively makes Lamar Jackson a free agent, for purposes of finding out what his market value is in the larger NFL uh, marketplace. And the Ravens, if Lamar Jackson is able to go out and get an offer, they have the right to match that offer, or they get two first-round picks. So get your popcorn, because this is getting intriguing. The Ravens were not able to reach a long-term agreement with Lamar Jackson. So now the question is, okay, what is a relatively young quarterback like Lamar Jackson, who did not finish last season because of injury-related issues, what is he worth on the open market? Would the Ravens be willing to match that? And or are the Ravens effectively letting it be known that they would let Lamar Jackson walk for two first-round picks. This is spicy. This is great drama. Because you usually don't get a young quarterback on the open market like Lamar Jackson would be. Uh, You also get into some game theory here, right? Because not only do you have to figure out what you're willing to pay Lamar Jackson... You have to contemplate whether the Ravens will match it. So uh, you could, in theory, if you were a competitor of the Ravens, ensure that you drive this market up. It's a lot like an auction. You ever been in an auction? Uh, I've been, like I was at an event last night, which I'll talk about in a little bit. But I go to a lot of, uh, not a lot, but a decent number of charity events now, right? And most charity events have an auction-related component. And there is a bidding process. And so what's so fascinating about the live bidding is you're not only bidding for yourself, you're trying to figure out who you're bidding against. That is, what are they going to spend? What might they be willing to spend? How high does this go? And also, am I really willing to pay whatever the dollar figure is that people end up uh, knocking that over, end up bidding on. So there's a game theory perspective here because you don't want the... If you're a competitor, you don't want the Ravens to get Lamar Jackson for too cheap, but you also don't want to bid something and then have the the Ravens say, okay, you got him. We want two first-round picks and all of this money. So who are the teams that might be willing to bid? How is this going to go? What is the market value? I would argue that the Cleveland Browns, when they gave Deshaun Watson basically $250 million guaranteed, when they gave him that kind of value and that kind of guarantee, I don't blame guys like Lamar Jackson for taking a step back and saying, wait a minute, if Deshaun Watson is worth that, coming off of not playing for a year, coming off of whatever it was, an 11-game suspension, why in the world am I, who has played for all of these years since, why am I not worth at least as much as Lamar Jackson? I think that's a very valid question. Uh, And we will see uh, how this plays out. But get your popcorn over the next week or so. This is going to be super intriguing. Maybe the biggest story in sports, certainly one of the most fun, uh, is where can Lamar Jackson end up over the next week or so. Meanwhile, the Jets' entire brain trust has flown all the way across the country to try to make their pitch to Aaron Rodgers to leave the Green Bay Packers and come play for the Jets, given that Derek Carr is now committed to the Saints, as we talked about yesterday. Is Aaron Rodgers willing to leave Green Bay? And if so, are the Jets the right location for Aaron Rodgers to end up? My position on this, pretty clear. I wouldn't leave the NFC which is a comparative quarterback wasteland for the stacked AFC. That's my personal opinion. I understand people have uh, different perspectives there, but you also have to think right now the Packers are, I know the Vikings won the division most recently, but the Packers are what? Probably the favorite still with Aaron Rodgers to win the NFC North. I don't think the Bears are that good. Uh, The Lions, I know, finished well, but look, let's be honest. Packers have to be the favorite, I think. In the AFC East, if Aaron Rodgers went and played with the Jets, if Tua can stay healthy, the Dolphins are really good. Even if Tua can't stay healthy, Dolphins are still playoff caliber good, in my opinion. Uh, We know that Josh Allen and the Bills are really good and that Bill Belichick's a great coach, even if the overall quality of team in New England is not that high of a level. I don't know that Aaron Rodgers changes the dynamics in the AFC East in a big way, not to mention that you're then going over and competing in a more difficult side of football. My inclination would be that Aaron Rodgers should stay in Green Bay or try to find a location in somewhere else in the NFC that could make sense. Uh, All right, so all that's going on with quarterback drama. I got to give credit. I don't know him at all. I've never met him. I think he is a proponent of woke ideology in general. But if you saw first take, or at least the clip of first take, which is I think what most people saw, J.J. Redick took a flamethrower to Kendrick Perkins on first take this morning. Kendrick Perkins has tried to argue, and he argued it last week, that the reason Nicole Jokic was going to be MVP is by and large because... NBA MVP voters are racist. That was basically his argument. And he tried to point, and Jokic is, by the way, on his way to winning a third straight MVP. He accused him of stat padding, said that Joel Embiid is by far the MVP in the league. Otherwise, you can have a variety of perspectives. J.J. Reddick came out and did something that I haven't ever seen occur maybe in a decade, maybe longer on ESPN. He flat out called it out as... Uh, making up a fake race controversy by trying to allege that the MVP voters were racist, and that was why Jokic was going to win. And look, I don't know what finally caused J.J. Redick to be willing to call out the fake racism allegations of Kendrick Perkins, but I do know why lots of people in sports media and at ESPN in particular don't ever say this, Right especially white people, although I think it could be Asian people. I think it could be anyone but black people um, because they're afraid of being called racist. And so most people have to keep their jobs. And I know you may watch people on television and think, oh, that person's so rich, they make so much money. Not really. Most people on television have to work in order to maintain their living standard. I'm I'm, I'm taking you behind the curtains a little bit here. Because let's say you're making seven, eight hundred thousand dollars a year. Let's say can you say you're making a million dollars a year to do television, which most people aren't, but let's just say you're making a million. Most people who make a million dollars do not have cheap lifestyles. And so they're reliant on continuing to make that money years and years into the future because the drop-off from making, let's say, a million dollars a year at ESPN might be you fall all the way down to making $150,000 a year at insert random place here. There might not even be a $150,000 job for you, right? And so a lot of people are not willing to say what they really believe. And I don't think it's a coincidence. I went and looked this up. J.J. Redick has made, according to a $116 million during his NBA career. Now, I have no idea how well J.J. Redick invested that money. I have no idea what he's done with it. But if he has been remotely decent with that money, he should still have $100 million in assets. And I understand to be like, well, you pay 40% in tax and then everything. Yeah, but if you invest it and you just keep your money in S&P 500 index funds, and this is from a newly rich guy to some of you out there who may not be rich, to say nothing of private equity or buying homes or whatever else just putting your money into S&P 500 index funds it should double every 10 years you should make around 8 or 9% a year right now some years you might lose 20 some years you might lose 30 joe biden might get elected president and nobody might be making money in the markets anywhere okay but over time 10 years generation 20 years 40 years everything else I would think J.J. Reddick has to have close to 100 million dollars in, uh, in uh, overall net worth. That's my guess. He doesn't need the money, And this is important. He doesn't need the money to do television in order to have a good life. I could, once I sold Outkick, I could in a couple of years, just be like, I'm done with this. I'm tired of working three hours every day on radio. I'm tired of managing everything without kick and everything there. I'm tired of writing books. Oh, by the way, I got a new book coming out in September. I just want to go chill, sit on the beach, drink beer. A Couple of years, I don't have to work anymore. I could retire at 44, 45 years old, throw up the deuces, never work again and live a really good life, never having to make another dollar. Most people can't do that. The reason why I use J.J. Reddick as an example is don't mistake what J.J. Reddick is saying as something that is an uncommon opinion in sports media. Most people, I think, in sports media agree with what J.J. Reddick said. The NBA MVP voters are not racist. That's not why Jokic won, wins. That's not why Steve Nash won back in the day. It's because... Uh, of stupid arguments like Kendrick Perkins made that they're racist, but people are afraid, especially white people, that if they disagree with that claim, they're going to get tarred and feathered as racist, which can cost them their job. And so if you really want to have a debate show, you have to have people who are wealthy enough and don't give an F enough that they can say exactly what they think. And not have to worry about getting canceled because you're not worried about paying your mortgage and you're not worried about being able to put your kids into college or pay their private school tuition or pay your car payment or deal with whatever life expenses normal people have out there. Which is why it's normal for people to be dishonest. And I don't think this gets enough discussion, but that's why this JJ Reddick clip landed in such a bracing fashion. why so many people are sharing it and watching it because the honesty is uncommonly rare. And most people do not have the financial wherewithal to say exactly what they think. Now I'm a little bit of a rarity. I got incredibly high risk tolerance. I said what I what I believed a hundred percent for my entire sports media career, And it's why I'm rich, because I said exactly what I think. Not because, oh my God, Clay Travis is so controversial. Can you believe he said this or what? No, most people agree with everything I said. There's just a fear when I say it. Like, I I don't know if I told this example, but I was out at the Super Bowl and I was at a party and people kept coming up to me in sports media and saying, dude, everything you said about the WNBA is 100% correct but I'm afraid I'd get fired if I said it. Time after time after time, 80 or 90% of sports fans agree with a huge percentage of what I am saying on a day-to-day basis. And I give credit to JJ Redick because basically he's saying what I would say. Kendrick Perkins, you got no argument here. This is not a race-based decision. Jokic is playing really well. He's not stat padding. This argument that NBA MVP voters are racist and therefore that is why he is winning is just not true. And there's no factual basis to support it at all. And so why it struck so many people as, oh my goodness, I can't believe this was said, is because J.J. Redick, the white guy, said exactly what he thinks to the black guy. There are a lot of black guys on television that say exactly what they think. They're protected by their race. They're not going to get fired hardly ever, for anything that they say, because if you criticize it and you're their boss, you might be the racist and you might lose your job. There's a huge power imbalance when it comes to debate, particularly in sports, but I would say in media as a whole, where a black guy can say something, and if he says it's a race, he throws down the racism card. There's a lot of networks where you can't even respond without being in danger of getting fired. I think a lot of white guys, I guarantee you, J.J. Reddick's phone blew up with tons of people agreeing with him, but a lot of those guys, are they don't have the money to be able to say it. Mike Greenberg's not going to call out Kendrick Perkins. Paul Feinbaum. I mean, who are the white guys that are going to call it out? You have to be so independently wealthy that if they said, hey, you can't appear on television anymore, you're like, peace, all right, no big deal. Like I'll go do something else. And that's how you get actual honesty. That's how you get real debate. That's the problem with ESPN in general. They've got people who look different, but almost all think the exact same. And then they try to put on a debate show, and it doesn't work because people tiptoe up to what they actually believe. And I give credit to J.J. Reddick for calling out the fake racism card that was played by Kendrick Perkins in this particular case. Now, also, let me say this. I haven't ever seen anybody do it at ESPN before. Decade, 15 years. Every fake racism allegation is treated as the gospel truth. And even guys like Skip Bayless are so terrified of being called racist that they won't say what they really believe. Because that's the only way they lose their job. And this is part of the big picture, how woke infested, left-wing woke insanity infested our entire culture because there's a huge collection of people that are terrified of saying exactly what they think and worse than that are making decisions that are best for their own personal uh, success as opposed to what's best for the company. Because if you're a rich white CEO, you don't get fired for claiming that America is a systemically racist and awful place to your diversity and inclusion team. And you don't get fired for sending out an email talking about how awful racism is. You just don't. But if you say, hey, you know what? I think America's pretty good. And I think a lot of racism allegations are uh, not, not true, right? I think there's a lot of Jesse Smollett going on out there in the country you might get fired. Might be better for your company. It's worse for you privately. And that dichotomy undergirds much of the discussion that goes on in a huge part of our culture every single day. But I give credit to J.J. Redick for bringing a flamethrower out uh, to Kendrick Perkins and his fake uh, racism allegations. Hey, Clay Travis right here. Outkick the show is dominating. We'll continue to roll. More coming back in a moment. But first, this. Uh, Speaking of stupid, woke arguments, uh, the Washington Post, which employs an individual who is also uh, employed by ESPN, has a story up, and I can't believe this is real, demanding that all of the spring training games be removed from the state of Florida because Ron DeSantis is an awful human being that is attacking diversity and inclusion. Uh, let's, here, I'm reading from the Washington Post. If baseball is still concerned about uh, the, the legacy of the game, it's 15 franchises that started spring training last month in Florida should consider making the annual exercise an all-Cactus League affair as long as DeSantis commands, and, uh, commands an attack on diversity. It's been the hallmark of his governorship, which many believe is a prologue to a presidential bid. And then it runs through all these things that are, frankly, just made up. Uh, About a year ago, DeSantis signed into law the don't say gay bill. Now, look, all of this, all of this is symptomatic. All of it is symptomatic of what's going on in the larger context of what is uh, going on in this world. And Sarah, uh, so the idea that there would be anything uh, to justify pulling all of the major league baseball spring training teams out of Florida is so broken brained. There are so many people on the left wing in this country whose brains are completely broken. They don't understand facts. They're terrified of DeSantis. They already tried to label Trump as a uh as Adolf Hitler. So how do you argue that DeSantis is worse than Hitler? They're gonna try to do it because they have fundamentally failed and they don't understand the basics of what are going on uh right now as it pertains uh to uh to Florida. We're gonna have a good story up from Bobby Barack, I think, at Outkick soon. But ESPN commentator, Washington Post columnist says that Major League Baseball has to pull spring training all 15 teams out of Florida. Unfortunately, this is what happens when Rob Manfred pulled the All-Star game out of Atlanta. You set the precedent that if you decide a political decision in a state is unacceptable to you, even if you aren't very well informed by it. There is an expectation then in the media that it should be followed again, and that those games should be pulled, that those teams should be pulled. Rob Manfred blew it. I think the worst single decision of his legacy as uh, commissioner was that awful decision to pull the All Star game out of Atlanta. Now the Braves went on and won the Super uh, the the World Series that year, but still it was a mess uh, beyond a shadow of a doubt. Um, couple of other things. The Ja Morant investigation is continuing. Reports are that he was at a strip club in Colorado with the gun. This is significant for a couple of reasons. One, it would suggest that Ja Morant traveled on a Grizzly team charter with a handgun, unless for some reason he bought a handgun when he got to Colorado, which seems unlikely. If he's traveling with a handgun on a team plane, I don't know the specifics of what is allowed and what's considered permissible, but a lot of times when you travel charter, you're never going through airport security. So you don't have to... Some people are like, how in the world would you get on a plane with a gun? Well, when your team has a charter flight or when you're flying private, you don't have to ever go through uh, security. Like, there's no metal detector. There's no wanding that's going on. In theory, you could travel with a gun because nobody would know that you have that gun. I would think... I don't know, but I would think NBA player uh, rules and certainly team rules would prohibit weapons on team flights. That seems kind of basic. Maybe they don't, but that's one that's going to get looked at to a large degree, I would suspect. And then the rules about brandishing weapons in a video, as Ja Morant did, are likely different in Colorado than they would be in Tennessee, for instance. Also, generally speaking, when you consume alcohol, you are not supposed to also be armed. So was John Morant consuming alcohol in the strip club at the time that he was showing that gun? Uh, It seems like he may be out for a substantial period of time. Because remember, this happened right after a Washington Post story about him potentially confronting a 17-year-old kid with a gun, and also after his entourage was accused of uh, potentially pointing uh, guns at members of the Indiana Pacers in the bowels of FedEx Arena after a game there. Uh, Got on the stage last night and sang My Own Worst Enemy, uh, the, the, the ballad by Lit, uh, that was a lot of fun. If you want to have some fun at my expense, you can go watch my spectacular dance moves. Uh, as I was called up on the stage at a charity event last night, my wife was saying, "No, no, don't get on the stage," uh, and uh, I felt uh, compelled to do so. So that was uh, that was certainly uh, an enjoyable uh, experience. Never expect to sing a hit '90s song with the band uh, up on the stage. So that was really cool. Uh, finally. Tucker Carlson is playing January 6th clips. And Chuck Schumer went on the floor of the Senate and said that Rupert Murdoch and Fox News should not allow Tucker Carlson to play footage from inside of the Capitol on January 6th again tonight after he did last night. I disagree completely with that argument. uh, And I would suggest to you, this is emblematic of how scared they are about the possibility that he is going to change the narrative. Remember, the January 6th hearings were a kangaroo court. It was a one-sided prosecutorial uh, presentation. That is, I know Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger were stensible Republicans on this committee, but they're basically uh, Democrats. There was no balance here. Usually in a case, you would have the prosecution and you would have the defense. Uh, All we got on the January 6th committee hearings was the prosecution. What Tucker is now doing is providing a larger context of what the video inside of January 6th, uh, the Capitol, show. And he's providing a fuller context as opposed to the edited clips which were shown that favor the January 6th committee. Um, And Democrats are terrified of this. Because they have tried to brand January 6th. I mean, I think Corinne Jean-Pierre said it again today, that January 6th was the biggest threat to our country since the Civil War. Not Pearl Harbor, not 9-11, that a small group of people, almost none of whom were armed, entering into the United States Capitol on January 6th was the biggest threat to the United States since the Civil War is absolutely ridiculous. There is no way to make that argument. It becomes even more difficult to make, however, when you watch more of the footage of that day and see that people like, for instance, the QAnon shaman are just walking around surrounded by nine different Capitol Police officers and that they're literally trying to open the door for him. When you see that the story that was told, oh, this is Officer Sicknick, he was beaten to death by protesters on January 6th, That's the story that Democrats shared. No, the reality is he was walking around fine on January 6th. He didn't die on January 6th. He wasn't murdered by protesters. Now, unlike a lot of people, I stand on principle. I stand on precedent. I stand on consistency. And I have argued for a long time that if you riot, if you trespass, if you commit acts of criminal vandalism, anything of that nature, You should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law, whether you're a Republican, a Democrat, or an Independent. Everybody has the right to protest. No one has the right to break the law while protesting. But we saw six months of protests surrounding BLM, almost none of which uh, any of those people arrested, almost none of which any of them suffering significant criminal prosecution. In fact, Democrats actually raised money to bail everybody out who was arrested in any of the BLM protests? My argument is treat the January 6th protesters who broke the law and the BLM protesters who broke the law the exact same. Politics shouldn't determine how you are treated under our criminal justice system. How many people are actually arguing that? And why are Democrats so afraid of Tucker Carlson sharing greater footage? You had the prosecution, this is basically the defense. Both of them provide a fuller picture of what actually took place on January 6th, and what you're seeing is the Democrat narrative is being challenged. To a large extent, it is crumbling, and that is a good thing because we all should have access to this information. I think it should eventually be put up on a database where everybody can watch it. I don't understand how arguing that only some some, small part of uh, these clips are perfectly fine to be seen but not the whole thing. All right, I got to run out. I got a couple of meetings to get to. I got a father-son dinner to get to uh, this evening. Uh, I appreciate all of you. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP. I am Clay Travis. This has been Outkick, the show.